Now, I have a, a, a few weeks ago, in the beginning of May, or, or rather March, I shared on the, during, during our vision rally on building momentum. That was the word that the Lord dropped into my heart, momentum. And so this morning, I'd like to continue to pick up even on that theme on momentum. Everybody say momentum. And uh, as we have... Uh, as, as we have discovered even uh, earlier on in the earlier session, momentum is a force that is gained by movement. It is a force that is gained by movement, a moving object, something that is mo moving. Momentum is a power residing in a moving object and it pulls you in a direction, pulls you in a direction often faster and further than you realize. And all of us know the importance of momentum. All of us know the importance of momentum. Business people know the importance of momentum. Once their business gets going, they better ride on that momentum and go for the kill in that sense. And uh, sports coaches know the importance of momentum. If the opposing team is winning, scoring point after point after point, what does the coach do? He called for timeout. Why does the coach call for timeout? To stop the momentum of the opposing, opposing team. Otherwise, they, they will continue to gain points. And so you find that momentum is so very critical, so very important in our life and also in our church life. All right, and John Maxwell called this the big mo. All right, the big mo, which is a leader's greatest ally. The momentum is the greatest exaggerator. It makes, look, it makes things look better and bigger than it is. And if you lack momentum, the small things will look so big and huge and will be very, very problematic. And so the big more is our ally, all right? And it works in every area of our life. Now, when you have momentum, nothing can stop you. Just like, for example, a car you know, going at 100 kilometers per hour can ram into a wall and smash the wall because it has momentum. But that car, if it is stationary, if it is stationary and it is not moving, a block of uh, wood or a block of uh, 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 a stone, you just put it in, the, uh, in front of the tire, and that small piece of block of wood can stop that car because it has no momentum. But when it has momentum, it has great power. And that's what happens also when the church has momentum, when you have your momentum, when your family has momentum, when your life has momentum, nothing can stop you. That's why momentum is so very important in every areas of our life and also in the area of our church. And I sense that glad tidings, we are gathering momentum and, and exciting days are ahead of us already. But today I'd like to share from Hebrews, all right, the book of Hebrews. Our theme on reach is taken from Hebrews chapter 10, all right, and after that, uh, uh, we have we have talked a little bit about that. After that, there is the chapter 11, the story of faith, all right, of God's heroes. And after that, chapter 12, reading from chapter 12, verse 1 to verse 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. From this text of scripture, this morning I'd like to share on building spiritual momentum. Spiritual momentum. Most of us, if not all of us here, have been touched by the Lord and we were saved. We are saved. But at one point in time, we, the Lord saved us by the power of His Word, by the power of His Spirit, and we were all so excited for Jesus Christ. We were so passionate for Him. We were on fire for Him. And then we begin to serve the Lord in different areas of ministries. But then somewhere along the line, we begin to lose that spiritual momentum. We begin to slow down. We begin to go in a different direction. Or worse still, we stop all together and we stagnate like that car or that train. And one, this, one small discouragement, one small block, one small, small stone of discouragement can just cause us to quit and walk out on Jesus Christ. So today, we like to learn on how you can build that spiritual momentum that will cause you to be on fire for God in your walk with, you, uh, with Him and in your service even unto Him. Building Spiritual momentum. The Bible tells us here, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You see, Christians have endurance. Christians have momentum. We call this the running momentum. We have been called to what? To run. Everybody say run. Yes, we have been called to run. And that is the picture of a Christian. Not to take a stroll in the garden. Not to sit down and be passive. The picture here is run. That to me is momentum already. You are running, you are running, you are running. Now some of us have been running a long time. How many, now the, the, the moment that we become a Christian, the moment that we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's the moment that our race begins. That's the time that we started running. That's the time when the Lord has called us to run the race that is set before us. Now how many, how many of you have been running for at least five years? Can I see your hands? At least five years. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, how many of you have been running for, maybe I shouldn't say at least five years. For five years and less, rather, okay? How many of you have been running uh, five years or, or, or less? Five years or less. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you have been running for five to 20 years? Five to 20 years. Come on, raise your hands. All right. How many of you have been racing or uh, running, not racing, but running for, 
for maybe 20 to 40 years. Wow, you have come a long way. How many of you have been running for more than 40 years? Hallelujah. Come on, let's give one another a big hand. The rest of you who do not raise your hand, I'm talking to you right now. You have not been running. <laughs> now we have been called to run that race. Many people are not running. You know why? Because they are not spiritually fit to run. Why are they not spiritually fit to run? Because they have not been in church. Because they do not pray. Because they do not seek the Lord. Because they are not walking with the Lord. That's why they are not running this spiritual race that has been set before us. But the Bible is very clear. Let us run. And the word run is, uh, in the English language, is called uh, the present imperative tense. That means, you know, it is uh, 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 a command, yes, but you keep on doing it. It is not just run, stop, and forget it already. But it is a continuous tense, a present tense. That means you keep on running. You don't stop running. You keep on running until you shall see the Lord face to face. Until He calls us home. That's why in many of the funeral services, one of the most popular passages of Scripture is that of the letter of Paul to Timothy. And Paul says, I have run the race. I have finished the race. I have run the course. I have finished the course. You know, but have they really run? Have we really run? Present Continuous imperative tense. Keep on running. Don't stop running. It says, let us run the race. The race, actually, race comes from the Greek word agon. And that's where we get the word agony. Agonize. The race that we are talking about here is not a, you know, a stroll in the park in Mount Kiara. No. It is something that is going to be very demanding. It is going to be very uh, uh, strenuous. You accept and take away your strength. It is something that you agonize over. And many of us do not like that kind of a race because it is testing and demanding. It can be an agony to us because it requires a lot of discipline. But that is the race that is set before us. It is a continual action, but with a note of contingency. There is a sense of importance there. A sense of urgency. It is the race. And it is not just any race. The Bible here tells us in the New Living Translation, it is the race that God has set before us. You don't just run any race. It is the race that God has set before you, before me. And guess what? Your race will be different from my race. It is the race that God has mapped out for you. 
So I cannot run that race for you. I have to run my own race and you have to run your own race. Of course, in this race, we can encourage one another. But God will lead you to a different path. The things that God calls you to do, the things that, the, the path that God uh, chose for you to run will be different than mine. But it is definitely with purpose. It is God's path for our individual lives. What is this race? It is God's path for your lives. Each and every one of us, God has a plan and has a purpose. And He has called you to run that race. Your race will be different from others. There may be a lot of similarities, yes, but it is uniquely marked out for you. I don't know if you have ever seen that movie called Forrest Gump. Yeah, I watched it two or three times. I don't know why. Maybe it was because of Tom Hanks. But he was a runner. But after his mom died, he started to run. And in the movie, he just kept running all over the country. And guess what? When, he, when, the, when, the, when the news media heard about him running, some of them knew about it. And when he passes through the town, everybody in the town followed him to run. And guess what? And they asked him, where are you running to? Nowhere in particular. He has no purpose in his running. He just wants to run. That's all. Anywhere. He just keeps running and running. But God has not called us to be like Forrest Gump. You are not running to nowhere. All right? You are not running this race with no purpose. There is a purpose that God has for each and every one of us. And I'm excited. And I'll keep running. No matter how old or how young you are, keep on running. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep on running. God has called you to run. Now, honestly, physically, I'm not a runner, all right? I don't like jogging at all. But I respect all those people who take to jogging or go to the gym. I like games, more meaningful kind of exercise. And I do sweat a lot. But we, in this, in this analogy here, it is a race that God has called us to run. And it is very, very purposeful. But in order for us to be strong and to be able to run this race, one thing is needed. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, let us run with what? Endurance. Endurance, the race that God has set before us. Endurance is needed. Hebrews 10, 36, for you need endurance. All of us, we need endurance. So that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. How do you receive the promise of God? Endurance. Other translation puts it as perseverance. Let us run with 
perseverance. Other translate, another translation put it as, let us run with patience. But I like the word endurance. Hupomone. Endurance. You need endurance when you are facing illness and you have prayed and healing has not come as yet. You need endurance when your marriage is falling apart. You have tried different ways to save that marriage and it is still on the rock. You need endurance when you are facing a financial crisis in your home. You need endurance when your children walk out on you. You need, your, you need endurance when you have gone for five interviews in the last two months and none of them have responded to you. You need endurance in this race. There will be difficulties, there will be resisting forces, and that is why endurance is so very, very important in life. I need endurance in the ministry. I need endurance in my walk with the Lord. I need endurance to gather up the spiritual momentum and not let it die at all. Because if you don't do anything, that momentum will be lost because of resisting forces. So endurance. Endurance is what we need. It is the the steady determination to keep moving. No matter what happens, that endurance, that momentum that you have, that the Lord has called us, that the Lord has given us when He first touches and saves us. Endurance to keep moving. When every fiber in your body says, stop, quit, walk out, walk away. Endurance will keep you moving. Endurance will say, don't quit. Keep on doing what you are doing and you will see the results and you will receive the promise of God. How do you build up that kind of endurance? To me, endurance is almost like momentum. How do you build up that momentum? Momentum is built by reputation. And it works in every area of your life. How do, you, how, how do you teach your children any games at all? For example, just catching ball or just kicking a ball or football. You keep on tossing that ball to that, to that kid of yours and let him kick. You, he keeps on doing it. He keeps on doing it. And after that, hey, momentum picks up. At first they say, no, I can't do it, Dad. I don't know how to play. But you keep on throwing the ball. He keeps on kicking. If he makes mistakes, you show him a little bit. And very soon, wow, he gets the momentum going and he begins to light the game and he begins to know that he can score. Of course, you purposely let him score one, you know. But hey, I can do it. That's what got me interested in, in, in golf in the first place. The late Arthur Lee, he took me to a course I don't know how to play. That was the first time I, I entered into a golf course. That was the first time I handled a golf, golf club. He said, never mind, pastor, just go in. I said, nobody trained me, nobody taught me. He said, just hit lah. So I just hit, you know, and I'm, of course the ball flies all over, but on one particular hole on a par tree, I hit and the ball almost landed on. I said, wow, boleh juga. Can I? Can I? Got something there. 
And after that, but the momentum builds up already. You keep on repeating, doing what you are doing. Friends, it is so very important. That's how you build momentum. In your spiritual life, it's the same. How do you build that momentum? In the prayer. You keep on praying. All right, you keep on praying. You don't stop praying. Even if it's just one minute, even if it's just five minutes, don't stop. Momentum is built by repetition. Reading the word of the Lord. In the beginning, you do not like it at all. Oh, five minutes, oh, four chapters. It's so long. But you keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. And after that, you build up momentum. Just like the one-minute witness. All those who have been training this, you know, it's not easy. But you have to, you don't stop doing it. Brothers and sisters, you have to keep doing it. And to, 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 to confess to you, I have stopped it. I have stopped here and there, you know. And I, I, and I have to pick myself up again. I have to start, start doing it again. I have to start repeating it again. In every areas of your life, you have to keep repeating it. So don't stop doing it. You know, one minute witness, you know, and everything that you have been trained, you know, spiritually, you know, you keep on doing. That's how you build momentum. Momentum is increased by pushing our limits. You have to push the limits. And so, for example, you want to enter into the triathlon, right, with the swimming and the cycling and the running, and you can hardly swim one, one lap. So you go for the training. You try one lap in the swimming pool, and after that, you're tired already. How to enter the triathlon? But the next day, you keep on doing. Maybe, maybe one lap. After that, the next day, two laps. After that, three laps. And you find that, hey, the momentum builds up. You thought that you can swim only one lap, but by the end of one month, you find that, hey, 10 laps is no problem. 20 laps is no problem. Why? Because you have built up the momentum already. That's how it is in life. But if you are lazy and lethargic and say, oh, all I can do is just one lap, forget it. There's no momentum. You are losing completely. The same in our spiritual life. All right. At first, reading the Bible, five, one chapter or so, well, but the mind begins to wander already, thinking about this and that. And one chapter or so, to read the Bible is so difficult. How to read four chapters in our devotional plan? But you keep doing it. Maybe today, just one chapter. Tomorrow, I try two chapters. After that, three chapters. And four chapters, and you find that, hey, after that, oh, you just want to spend so much time with the Bible. It will not be enough. Same with prayer. All right? You start off, you know, with just uh, 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 five minutes. All right, just to pray, 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 pray. And uh, after that, you begin to increase. You push yourself to the limits, you know. And uh, sometimes you pray, 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 and now, uh, you thought that, wow, it's half an hour. You look at your time, oh, you're only three minutes. Uh. I thought half an hour already, only three minutes, you know. You know, and it's very common. Your mind begins to wonder, but you push yourself, all right. Increase, increase, increase. Likewise, with even witnessing, all right? You know, sometimes it's so hard to open our mouth to share the gospel. One minute witness, I cannot do it. Never mind. You cannot do it. Never mind. You, you cannot share the faith. You are, you are, you are uh, shy to talk to people. What you can do at least for this coming week, for example, is take this one. Take this ticket. 
and just invite your friend, invite your colleague or even stranger. Hey, we are having a movie at this place. You are welcome. It's free of charge. Now, that is easier. That's not too difficult, isn't it? Everybody loves movie, right? Everybody loves a movie. Don't tell them what movie it is also. Just say, come for the movie. Now, you want to tell them what it is? That's fine. I say, this is going to be the most powerful movie you will ever see. And just leave it in their hands. That's only about 20 seconds, not even one minute. All right? And that you can do, all right? And after that, maybe later on, you begin, after the training and all that, wow, you begin to go deeper, you know, and you begin to share the one minute. Maybe you share only once a week. You know, after that, you increase it to more and more and more. That's how you increase momentum. You push yourself to the limit, in, and it works in every area of your life. You, uh, you, you know, trust me, it works in every area of your, of your life, whether it be your health, your diet, your work, your, your, your assignment, you know, uh, and everything. Push yourself, push yourself a little bit more, and you find that our body has been wonderfully made by God. All right, I think most of us use only about 10% of our capabilities, or even less. You know, we are created for greater things than these. You know, so you have to push yourself in these areas. And momentum is fueled by our commitment to finish the race. Finish the race. All right? And uh, that's what this chapter is talking about. You know, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We have to complete this race. All right, so we have a goal in mind. I'm going to finish even this race. And no matter what happens, you're going to run the race. No matter who falls out, left or right, you're going to finish that race. Once you make that kind of a commitment, you'll find that momentum. All right, momentum will build up in your life. And the Bible also talks about looking to Jesus. Friends, there's the three most powerful words in the Bible. Momentum-building, life-giving words. Looking to Jesus. When you look to Jesus, the, the, the understanding, the sense of the Greek words here is you don't look at any other things. You look away from other things and you fix your focus on Jesus. Friends, that's how you build momentum. No matter what happens, because you look at Jesus, you consider Jesus, the Bible here tells us. You are not looking at the disappointment. You are not looking at sin, the sins in your life. You are not looking at all the discouragements, but you are fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's how we run this race. All right, we run this race, fixing our eyes and our attentions even on our Lord Jesus Christ. But in the race of life, there are two, there are, there are resisting forces. The first law of motion by Isaac Newton says that unless there is a resisting force, an object that is stationary will stay stationary and an object that is moving will keep moving. Unless there is another force that is at work. And we know that in life, there are forces at work. There will always be forces at work. Even a bullet shot from a gun, 
a speeding bullet will eventually drop and fall to the ground. Why? Because of the resisting forces in the air. And however fast we go, you find that there are resisting forces that will stop us or that will hinder even our spiritual momentum. That's why some Christians are what they say, roller coaster Christians. One day up, one day down, one day up, one day down. Why? Because they have not realized that there are resisting forces. And it's a law in nature. It's the law of spiritual momentum as well. We have to fight those resisting forces. Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There are two fatal momentum killers. It's common for every single one of us. And it is found in the word, in the scripture here, weight and sin. The weight and sin. Weight here is the, the things that are unnecessary in our life. It's the baggage in our life. Every weight. All right, in another translation, it says everything that hinders our race. Now, you know those who are going on a run, those who are going on uh, not just a, not just a, 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 a casual run uh, in the park, but rather entering into a race, they will strip themselves from every unnecessary things. You don't enter into a race wearing a jogging suit. That is too heavy. That is an encumbrance. That is a weight on you. They will get the lightest material and they will wear the skimpers as long as far as decency allows. Why? Get rid of every weight. They don't carry backpack. They don't carry handphone. Now for some of us, well, it's only... Five gram, five gram doesn't make much difference, right? Nowadays, when you travel, they allow you only seven kg. I say, how to travel with your luggage on seven kg? Your bag itself is already maybe about two kg. Your luggage bag, or maybe three kg if, if some if the uh, solid material. That's why when I travel, mine is a very very light material only. And then your computer itself, some computers are so heavy, already 2 kg, 4 kg. So when you travel, you have to really, really, nowadays with all the uh, airline policy and, uh, and, and all that, you have to travel light. Likewise, in running that race, there are weight that weighs us down. A 5 kg weight may not look like much to us. Tied to a runner, and a runner who, who trains with a 5 or 10 kg tied to the leg. Wow, you know, during training time, it's so hard. But once that weight is released, wow, he can run fast because there's no more weight. That's how trainers train. What, are the, what is this weight? Every way, what is this way that, that the Bible talks about? It, it's not specified here. But looking in the context of the book of Hebrews, 
It can be, you know, because uh, Paul, or, or rather the writer was writing, writing to the Jewish convert, you know, that has come out from Judaism. And so in that context, it could be the weight of legalism. You know, how legalistic, you know, uh, uh, the Judaistic faith has become, you know, from just uh, a few simple laws, the Ten Commandments, they have 600 over, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that for everything. And the weight of legalism has weighed them down. But for us, this weight can be anything that weighs us down. It may not necessarily be sinful. But it is not helpful. What is this weight? Oh, you can go down the list. It may be, it may be the time that you spend. It may be how you spend your money. How do you use your resources? It may be what attracts your attention. For some of us, the weight may be the time that we spend on the handphone. It becomes a weight because you spend so much time on the handphone that you do not have time for the Lord or for your family. Even meal times, you're still on the handphone. That can be a weight. Wow, very heavy. How heavy is your handphone? For some of us, it's watching TV. For some of us, it's just habits, you know. You know, we, we, we have all kinds of activities and we sleep so late and we wake up, you know, and we are lethargic and we have no time to, to, to spend, you know, in the presence of the Lord at all. There, there can be many things. For some of us, it may be just our dealing with our anger, the bitterness within us, the revenge, the gossip, but this is our weight. It's too heavy for us. We cannot run that race with this kind of baggage on our back. It may not be harmful, but it is definitely not helpful. It is as, as a weight that hinders. And then there is the ungodly, the sin that so easily entangles. The sin that so easily entangles. The second momentum Killer, and this is worse, the sin. Now again here, the writer here does not tell us what is this sin. And please notice that it is in the singular. It is not in the plural. Whereas the first one, every weight, all right, there can be all kinds of weight, but this one here is the sin that so easily entangles us. Singular. We are not told what this sin is. But again, back into the context of what he was talking about. Now, here, in chapter 12, but earlier on, he started off, chapter 12, verse 1, started off with the word, therefore. When you see the word, therefore, you must know what it is, therefore. Because it points back to chapter 11. And chapter 11 talks about faith, people of faith. And so, therefore, most likely the sin here is the sin of unbelief. Maybe, all right, it's, it's not stated there. But the sin of unbelief can so easily entangle us, 
cause us to doubt God, you know, and, and stumble us, you know, and, and put us into a chain. It easily stumbles us. But interestingly, it is a specific sin, not necessarily a singular sin, but a specific sin. And maybe it was this way. There is a particular sin that easily entangles you more than others. And I think it was in life. There may be a particular sin that you struggle over, that you struggle with more than any others. For each one of us, it may be different. For some of us, it may be a particular sin that entangles us. And we find it so difficult to overcome. That sin may be the sin of pornography for some of us. Others, it may be the sin of addiction. Others, it may be a moral sin, a sexual sin. For others, it may be, it may be uh, uh, gambling. You know, and some people have struggled, you know, have difficulty overcoming even that particular area. For some of us, it may be just unforgiveness. More than anything else, you struggle with unforgiveness. All right, what is that particular sin? that so easily entangle you. It says, easily entangles. Another translation says, skillfully entangles you. It is just like in Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus talks about the parable, there was a sower that went out to sow, and some seed fall upon different types of soil. But in verse 20, I think, you know, some seeds fall among the thorns. And the seed grew. But then the thorns begin to grow around that plant and entangle it and choke it and it dies. That's what sin does to us. Entangle us. That's what wheat does, all right? You see the wheat, the, the roots of wheat, it goes around the plant, it goes into areas and take away all the nutrients and entangle that plant and it dies. What is that thorn in the flesh for you? That causes you to stumble and lose momentum. You have to deal with it. I say, the author did not specify it, maybe because he knows each one of us struggle in different areas. So what do you do, brothers and sisters? Bible here says, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us run the race that is set before us. He points to the huge crowd of witnesses. Now, of course, these are people who have gone before us. And since, actually the word is therefore, that means it points back to the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. People like Abraham, Moses, David, Gideon, all those heroes of faith that are mentioned. Oh, and all those who have gone before us, all right, including your loved ones, our friends, the members of, of the family of glad tidings who have gone before us. They are the huge crowd of witnesses. Again, here sometimes in funerals, we give the idea that these witnesses, crowd of witnesses in heaven watching us, cheering us on. But is this what the verse trying to teach us? 
do those who have gone ahead of us, do those who have died, our loved ones who have died, can they see us? Are they see, do they see what we are doing and encourage, come on, come on, come on, run the race, you are doing fine. Well, to be honest, if all those people are watching me, I will not be motivated. I will be paralyzed. Just like when you are, you are, you are, when you are playing a, a, some game, if there, some people are very good in playing to the gallery. We say, playing to the gallery, they perform better. Others, playing to the gallery, they perform worse. But no, it doesn't teach that way. No, those people up there cannot see what we are doing. They are not God. Only God sees everything, right? So all those people who have gone up there, and the word used is, Witnesses, witnesses. What is a witness? They are not witnessing us. They are not looking at us. They are witnesses of God. A witness is actually comes from the word comes from the word martyr. A martyr, somebody who have gone through suffering and perhaps even death, and they have come. They have overcome it. They may even pay with their life, but they have overcome it. So what is their witness? They are witnessing to the faithfulness of God. They are witnesses. They are not spectators watching what we are doing, every move that we are making. They are not spectators. They are not onlookers in heaven. But they are witnesses to us. Hey, I face the same thing and I overcome it. I am a witness that you can be victorious in your Spiritual race. They are witnesses. You look back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, 31. These people who have shot the mouths of lions, quenched the fiery darts of, of doubt. These are the witnesses who have done tremendous things. And they are tremendous things, and yet they come out fine. And they are telling you, I made it, you can make it as well. These are witnesses. And they encourage us, brothers and sisters. And you look into the, go back to what they witness on. Abraham, his particular sin, the sin that entangled him is lying. Is lying. He lied about his wife. No, 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 not my wife, my sister. Can you imagine your wife, your husband telling that to others? Oh, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Not just once, but a couple of times. Jacob, oh, he's a swindler. That's his particular sin, manipulating people. David, oh, sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Elisha, sin of depression, entangle him. He got depressed. Each one of them have a battle to fight. And yet God did not wipe them out. God made them to become witnesses for us. Trophies of His grace. They overcome all of these. That's why the Bible says in 2 Samuel 5.20, and David, David is one of those witnesses. He witnessed to us this thing. And David came to Baal Perizim. And David defeated them there and he said, The Lord has burst through my enemies before me 
like the bursting flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perizim. What is Baal Perizim? The Lord has burst through. Friends, it is a breakthrough. As what Pastor Sunita earlier in the prayer said about faith and breakthrough. Right on. It is a breakthrough. God is able to give you a breakthrough in every weight that encumbers you, in every sin that entangles you as He gave those great cloud of witnesses and every single one of them, including David here, all right, when he was facing the enemy, all right, and they come on him strong and fast. And yet the Bible says the Lord gave David the victory. The Lord burst through my enemies like a bursting flood. Yes, that bursting forth is coming through. Yes, that breakthrough is coming through even for each and every one of you in the way that you are willing to lay aside and the sin that you must repent before Him. Every one of them, although there were sins that entangles them, they know how to repent. They know how to come back to God. And every one of them was received by God into His fold and God defeated all their enemies. The chains that are holding you back, the chains that are that you are entangled in, if you are willing to repent and let it aside and come before the Lord, God will burst through for you. He will break those chains in your life and you shall experience a breakthrough and gather the spiritual momentum once again like never before. Somebody shout, Hallelujah! Amen! Hallelujah! My time is up. But let me give you very quickly just a listing of it. How you can build up from there. When the Lord has given you the victory, how do you build up that spiritual momentum again? Five ways to build spiritual momentum. Number one, fasting. Fasting. Fasting does something to you in your spirit. I know as a Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God church, we are not so used to fasting. But I encourage you to fast. You may start off by just fasting from one meal, from one entertainment, from one, uh, 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 from an object or whatever it is. You may just fast for just one meal. After that, maybe one day. And perhaps even once a week. Now we are going to enter into the prayer of fasting even for towards Pentecost, uh, sorry, towards our Easter, but I encourage you to fast in whatever way that you can because fasting does something to you in your spirit. It sensitizes you to what God is doing. It awakens your spirit. It helps you in your spiritual momentum. All right, I don't have time to go into all the description of it, but this is a spiritual thing. Right? And the more that you tap into that, fasting is not fasting is not just starving yourself, but rather feasting on the Lord, feasting on the godly activities. When you fast, all right, don't 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 go and play golf. That's wasting fasting. That's wasted fasting. When you fast, all right, you know, spend time in prayer, spend time in the word of the Lord, and the Lord can give you a breakthrough when you do that because your spirit is sensitized. All right, and so learn to fast. It will really, really help build your spiritual momentum. Secondly, worship. 
Oh, worship is so, so crucial. You know, God knows the importance of worship as a building momentum. That's why before He sent in the enemies, He sent in the worshippers. Why? He wants to, He must build up the momentum first. Otherwise, if the enemy just go in and fight, they will lose. But before God sent in the army, He sent in the worshipper to build momentum for the people. Worship will build up that momentum. Worship will open your heart to the glory of God. Worship, there will be transformation that will happen. When you learn to worship, there will be manifestation of the presence of God. That's why I urge you, come to church early. Prepare your heart because you are entering into worship and when you do that, you are gathering momentum. It is not just singing a few songs, forgetting it and going back. No, it is gathering momentum so that when you leave the building, when you encounter whatever difficulty or challenges, you already have the momentum. You may not feel it, you may not sense it, but God is building up that momentum already so that you are ready to fight the battles that are out there. Take it seriously, church. You want spiritual momentum? There's no other way. Fasting, worship, Praying in tongues. As Jude says, building up your most holy faith. Praying in tongues. You have to learn to pray in tongues because when you pray in tongues, you enter into the spiritual realm. You edify yourself, the Bible says. Who he prays in tongues, edify himself. You build up momentum, edifying yourself. You build up your most holy faith. You build up momentum by praying in tongues as often as you can. Alright, learn to pray in tongues. And fourthly, meditate on the Word. Meditate on the words. In other words, what are you thinking of? All the, throughout the day, you are thinking of so many things. But the Word of the Lord, alright, must, must, must fill your mind and your heart. And when there is that spiritual breakthrough, I tell you, you look at problems differently, you react to people differently because you have the Word. I will run with your Word, the Bible says, you know, in the book of Psalms. I will run with your Word. Meditate on the Word. Read the Word of the Lord. Or I spend time every morning or night or whatever, whenever you can, on the word of the Lord. And finally, sow to the spirit and not the flesh. This is a spiritual thing. The, the more that you sow to the spirit, the stronger that you become spiritually. You know, if you feed the flesh, then you become weak spiritually. So these are the five areas that we can do in order to build spiritual momentum. So, brothers and sisters, I encourage you. Build your Spiritual more. Build your spiritual momentum. How many of you want to do that? Let us pray even right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God.